0: Bye. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal gurlens Today within the Libro Cube is Book Bo Wednesday. When you tell your friends about Book Bo Wednesday, you're really going to want to hit those B's like that. Something I say at the top of almost every show is that there will be spoilers. So, this is your one and probably only spoiler warning. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you subscribe rate. And comment on iTunes because that, my friends, is what helps podcasts grow and flourish like a beautiful flower. Uh, I have a plan for today that, yeah, what the hell? I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes podcast action. Oh, right after today's sponsor. Almost forgot. Got to get paid, right? <clears throat> today's sponsor is a book. <laughs> book sponsor and a book Wednesday. What are, what are the odds of that? The book is The Collected Works of Edgar Allan Poe, and the title of said book is "That So Raven. Once again, today's sponsor is That's So Raven, The Collected Works of Edgar Allan Poe. Behind the scenes podcast action is that. Today within the liberal cube is Book a Wednesday, however, in the actual real world, it is Thursday. This is a short four day week due to Victoria Day. However, I had five podcasts to do this week because I have been consuming a lot of media, so I'm going to try to get uh book Wednesday done on my way to work, despite the fact that I have two books to do. Jesus Christ, a very, very aggressive plan. And then, uh, on my way home, tried to do my third video games day. In which I have three games. (laughs) Fuck. So, uh, I'm going to have to talk fast, is the plan. Let's see if I can do what I set out to do. Book number one is called Soldier On, colon, Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. This is book two of Sean Chesser's Zombie Apocalypse series. I believe it is a four-book series, unless he is planning on adding on after that. Uh, If you... I think... Did I say it in the description? Anyways, uh, after reading this second book, I have decided I am not going to continue on with this series. Uh, It's not doing it for me. It's not good. (laughs) And No, no, I shouldn't say that. It's it's good. It's just... mm, Rating-wise, we're going to go... Two. There's some three moments that I did enjoy, but not enough to sort of keep me in. The book stars once again Cade, who is a ex-military dude uh, who's trying to be reunited with his family. He was in Portland, Oregon. His family was in South Carolina, and the first two books sort of chronicle his journey uh, to them and what is happening to them, what is happening to him along the way. And uh, I will just say, by the end of the book, they were reunited, and it feels so good. So I figured, uh, rather than continue on, why not just consider that the series? That section of this story is the series for me, and uh, despite me deciding not to go on, uh, there was definitely some enjoyable moments. And I think I could even go so far as to say that the potential in book three was Probably somewhat high to be good, but um, I don't know. I just uh, didn't feel like it. Okay, yeah, I was going to say more than that, but I don't have time. <laughs> so fuck it. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. All right, so let's move on to the actual, I guess, sort of book that I will talk about a little more in depth. It is called Have Spacesuit Will Travel. By Mister Robert A. Heinlein, A. Heinlein, not even the Heinlein. Push off. Uh, I've read quite a f- number of Heinlein novels in the past. This one I did not realize until I got a little into it is probably geared to a little uh, younger audience, young adult, I guess you could say. But uh, that being said, I still very much enjoyed it. Rating wise, I'm gonna go pff, four to five. Yeah. Four to five. Liked it. Uh, The book stars Clifford, not the big red dog. However, the uh, human, average-sized, and presumably of a normal color. He has sort of had instilled with him since a very young age a desire to travel to the moon. Now, this, uh, I guess when it was written, uh, whenever it was written, uh, sort of is a, it's a science fiction novel and it's it's fun something i enjoy about science fiction novels written in, in the past is that they're sort of <laughs> predicting what will happen in in the future from their point of view but from our part point of view it is still very much in the past so things like there is within this universe there exists a moon base with people living on the moon uh, and ships going back and forth from the Earth to the Moon on a quite regular basis. Now, that being said, there was another sort of scene, let's call it, in which uh, Clifford is sitting around his uh, his uh, 10-inch color TV that they're very impressed with. Uh, while watching this minuscule color TV that is very impressive, uh, a cigarette ad is appearing on the screen. So it's sort of uh, funny to see that Robert A. Highline believes we will have moon travel, yet TVs will be the same size and uh, cigarette ads will still be uh, on the TV. Just for an example of some of the sort of strange things that appear. Uh, Both Clifford and his father are sort of super brainiac types, Mensa members. Uh, his father, we sort of learn throughout the book, worked, or does work, for the government and sort of their brain trust. Clifford's first step in his trek towards the moon is just amassing knowledge. He, he's like a sponge for knowledge. Uh, his second step, he decides, is... <laughs> so, so that's sort of a logical step, that if you want to go to the moon and only sort of the best of the best are selected to do so, uh, why not be super, super smart, learn all about it, so perhaps you will be chosen to go, right? Totally logical. His second step uh, in order to reach the moon is to decide he wants to win a contest for a trip to the moon. Step two was that. <laughs> the contest was involving a brand of soap that uh, you had to sort of send in proof of purchase with a little... Um, spiel, with a little spiel explaining why you want to go to the moon. He, through his sort of ingenuity and drive, managed to collect through various means. Uh, Almost 6,000 different wrappers sent them in, and lost. Well, won the consolation prize of a spacesuit. Ah, Look at that! It was a spacesuit that had actually been used in a space mission, so he was pretty impressed with that. It was not exactly in tip top condition, so he fixed it up, got everything working through his sort of knowledge of engineering and just being a super smart dude. And a pretty young dude, I don't remember his age, but like in his teens about to go to college anyways. So fixes it up, his family is not wealthy because this super brainiac father kind of does not care about the financial side of things so with his drive to still go to the moon he realizes he has to go to college and despite the fact that he loves, cannot stress how much he loves this spacesuit, he decides that really the only way for him to afford to go to college is to sell it uh, he could get like 5000 for it apparently, pretty pretty big deal Which, in today's dollars, $5,000 for college is nothing. However, uh, I guess Robert Heinlein was not taking uh, inflation into consideration either. So he takes it out for one last walk. He's got it all booted up. Uh, He's got the radio that's built into it on. And he hears a little distress call. Hmm. The distress call is from a young girl who then sort of swoops in 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 a flying saucer. Uh, chased by another flying saucer. He is then captured along with this little, I don't want to say little girl, but young girl, preteen girl from the sounds of it. And they are captured by these evil, evil aliens. Uh, they are imprisoned on the ship along with, although not in the same cell, uh, what is referred to through the book as the Mother Thing. Uh, That is not her real name, however, it's close enough to be accurate, as her real name is sort of a sound of chirping and things that are difficult for the human vocal cords to make. Uh, I always like when they do stuff like that in science fiction novels. So the three of them have to escape. They are imprisoned on a a hidden moon base, uh, not human-created moon base, and uh, they escape with their very lives. They only have two spacesuits. Clifford's, kind of old school one, although it is sort of stocked up and ready to go. Then, oh shit, what's the girl's name? Uh, Pee-wee. That's not her actual name, but that is what she's called throughout the book. Pee-wee has her own spacesuit. It's a little more up-to-date and streamlined. However, it doesn't have all of the sort of bells and whistles that uh, Clifford's does, so she sort of has the not great time of running out of air on the moon. <laughs> that is never good. And, uh, the mother thing is not huge. So she manages to sort of, uh, cuddle with Clifford inside his, once he kind of lets it out a little bit, they eventually, they almost make it to safety so close. Well, it was almost made it to safety and then almost, um, die in Pee-wee's case. They are then recaptured, damn it, recaptured and then taken to Pluto, as you do. Pluto, in in Robert Heinlein's description, does have an atmosphere, which we now know is not the case. The alien base located there is sort of a a striking platform for these, as described, worm-faced aliens uh, who plan on invading Earth and taking over. God damn them. So uh, Clifford is put into a giant pit, captured, imprisoned. Once again, Pee-wee and Mother Thing are not allowed to leave, and what can you do when you're on Pluto without a spaceship, right? But they're sort of allowed to wander among the worm faces. Uh, These aliens, kind of just hideous to look at, uh, multi-armed, multi-eyed, and not very nice from all accounts. Uh, eventually, because the Mother Thing is also in the. Mother Thing and Pee Wee, too, I should mention, are all sort of super geniuses. Uh, they develop a plan to escape. The plan involves uh, basically killing all the worm faces by letting a bomb loose in their, what sounds like, cafeteria, because part of this culture's uh, social organization, I guess you could say, is that they all eat together and they all eat at the same time, so that's sort of convenient for bomb placing's sake. Um, They are all killed. (laughs) And uh, the only way that Clifford and Pee-wee and the Mother Thing can be saved is if uh, they venture outside and uh, place a beacon, which will then summon the Mother Thing's people. This part was pretty cool and sort of uh, edge-of-your-seat, nail-biting, because, as you can imagine, it is cold on Pluto. Uh, in real life, doesn't have an atmosphere, so would be cold. And this did have an atmosphere and was cold. Hmm. Uh, the Mother Thing makes the attempt to do it, and it's sort of uh, basically frozen solid. Uh, Clifford, in his trusty spacesuit will travel... Uh, then it makes the attempt and succeeds barely, uh, su- so close to not succeeding that when the Mother Thing's people arrive, he is sort of frozen and basically loses all of his limbs due to frostbite. Not good. Uh, the Mother Thing's people then rescue Peewee, rescue Mother Thing, who it turns out was not dead. Oh, because it was kind of sad when I thought she was dead, but she wasn't. And also rescue Clifford, then sort of put him in a healing bath. is kind of a way you look at it—a healing bath which regrow his limbs. Cool idea. While he is in the process of healing, he's sort of being interviewed by the Mother Things people, and uh, it turns out that there's going to be a trial against the Worm Faces because they were not supposed to do this. Uh. Not allowed to invade other other sentient beings' worlds. Uh, so, they lost their trial, because they were jerks and douchey, basically. And uh, then their entire planet was... They explain it a little more technical than this, but their whole planet was basically winked out of existence. So, <laughs> that's a pretty bad punishment. Jesus. We then learn that uh, the whole reason that... Pee-wee was being held with Clifford as he was recuperating was because they too were going on trial. Going on trial to defend the right for human beings to exist. What? Why would they do that after we sort of saved the day? Bastards. Uh, the, The person, the entity that has us on trial, is sort of a, a, a amalgam of 13 different species, I think it was, all sort of rolled into one being combined with electronics and computers and uh, sort of judge-jury-executioner f- friggin' library, all built into one. Uh, the reason we are on trial, we as in the human species, is because uh, we have sort of demonstrated two things that could at least potentially um cause this being to decide we are not worth the risk and to destroy our planet. Those two things are we have had huge, huge uh, leaps in growth, sort of evolutionarily, uh, may have made that word up, and technologically. That combined with our often warlike nature means that um, maybe we should just be wiped out so we don't in millennia to come. Uh, interfere with all these races within this group. Uh Uh-huh. The verdict is, it's not that they will kill us all, so that's nice. It's not that they will not kill us all, so that's not great. The verdict is rather we will be watched for a period of time. Uh, Luckily, with these beings, they live for apparently tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. So when they say, ah, okay, well, we're going to watch you for a little while and see what happens, they don't mean we're going to watch you for 50, 100 years. No, no, no. We're going to watch you for 100,000 years and make sure you develop in a not warlike, come kill manner. Whew. Well, <laughs> Clifford and Pee-wee are then transported back to Earth where they all live happily ever after. I did it! Whew, I wasn't sure if I could. Uh, hopefully, when I record my her Video Games Day on my way home, that will also go off without a hitch. Lovely, love you. Also, let's not forget that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubical Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address, mail.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory.